it's time for Spain. Which means that if you're a Ferrari fan, once again, it's time for more pain. Because this one is going to be our Spanish GP preview on the Inside Line F1 podcast. And everyone in the world is going to be talking about this being a home race for Fernando Alonso. But don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, this is also a home race for Carlos Sainz. We almost forgot him, didn't we, Sundaram? This is a little absurd. That's always the case. You always tend to forget Carlos Sainz amidst all of the talk about Fernando Alonso and and even Ferrari is, is largely being spoken only about Charles Leclerc. But hey, everyone, it's it's back to be. It's great to be back on the podcast. It's back <laughs> to be great. Yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> this is why we missed yeah, you. It, it's it's great to be back and do another live episode with. My favorite F1 buddies, but yeah. Yeah, this is more like it. This is why we so love recording all together, the three of us, isn't it, Kunal? We can just banter the life out of everything. And I know this weekend, we're going to banter the life out of Carlos Sainz for making a trip into the gravel trap. But let's not forget, he's just trying to... Actually, he's not doing anything wrong. It's just basic human instinct. His father was a world rally champion. So, it's in the blood. So, if he makes a mistake (laughs) this time off and goes wide round into the gravel trap across the new the lack of chicken, the new final turn basically because we don't have the chicken, don't blame him. Yeah, I mean, uh, firstly, great to have F1 Stats crew here. Uh, You know, we normally try and sync between all our calendars and time zone so great to have you here and you know do this with the three of us uh talking of carlos signs literally i mean let's let's look at it a little seriously fernando alonso was supposed to hand over the mantle to carlos signs he was the next great hope of spain in formula 1 especially after he joined ferrari fernando left and all of that and guess what fernando is back because of aston martin of course but Imagine Fernando still remains yeah. the primary driver for Spain and the Spanish fans this weekend. And by the way, if you are listening in from Spain, leave us a message or tag us on social media. Or if you're on Spotify, leave a comment there. We'd love to say hello to you. Although I wish I knew what was como esta. That's what I can say. Yeah, that's that's hola, the long hola, and short of my estas. Spanish. And I've heard from a few of my friends who actually went to Spain to study Spanish that it's such a fun language to learn, especially when you're over there. And the fact is, the people are so endearing. They, Whenever someone comes up to you, they really look after them very, very well. And the same can be said about the fans for their heroes as well, because they've been treating Fernando Alonso and Carlos Sainz with such respect and so much care for so many years. But it's still strange that you mentioned that Fernando Alonso is the top driver in the country so far. And so on this episode, let's actually start off by talking about his prospects. But before I do that, let's also introduce who all of us are. Firstly, my name is Samuel Arora. I'm the host of the Indian Racing League broadcast on Star Sports. Joining me, as always, is Kunal Shah, the former marketing head of the Force India F1 team, and also an FIA-accredited Formula 1 journalist for the Viaplay Network. And, as Kunal mentioned, back again recording with us this time, F1 Stats Guru, whose stats have now been read out on so many different Formula 1 broadcasts and also on so many top websites like Autosport and Motorsport.com. But that's us. This is the Inside Line F1 podcast. What I want to talk about now is Fernando Alonso. Because in Monaco, we barely, barely saw Fernando Alonso missing his chance for the win by just one minor misjudgment. And now, Sundaram, at a track that's sort of in characteristics, at least in terms of downforce nature and all that, we could get to see Aston Martin back in the hunt. And if that's the case, apart from a Fernando Alonso win fight, we could also get to see an amazing qualifying because hopefully this time Sergio won't bottle it. 
Oh, absolutely. I think uh, Monaco was probably the best chance for Aston Martin to to grab a win this year. And they almost had that. Um, I know the team was pretty adamant that they made the right decision when it came uh, to tie choice. Uh, but if things went slightly in a different way, if he had picked inters instead of mediums, there would have been a possibility that he would have come out ahead of Verstappen. But yes, the biz- biggest talking point about Spain is going to be Fernando Alonso. And, and like you mentioned, although he was supposed to, you know, hand over the mantle to science, everyone's really looking forward to what Alonso can do. I, I don't think so. This is going to be the most prefer. I mean, I don't think so. It's going to be a preferable track for them. But there is one thing that I'm actually very keen on uh, on seeing. Uh, Somil, I actually asked you to pull out the Wikipedia page of the Spanish. Oh, it's ready, my friend. Before, oh, it's uh, ready. Recording this. Yes, because I, I really want you to look at one particular thing, uh, two, two in fact, sorry. So, you know, this year there's going to be a new track Correct. layout. And last year there were 16 corners uh, at this particular circuit. How many corners are there at this point of time? <laughs> 40. <laughs> Fernando 14. Alonso. Who's, who's, who's racing number... Uh, wait, wait, that's not done. So, so who's racing number is 14? Fernando Alonso. Now, I, I, I need to test. Okay. I need to test your mathematics a little. If you can go slightly lower on that page to former race winners by year, I want you to. I want you to tell me one of the first. 19, I want you to tell me one of the first 14. race at Catalonia. No, 1913. No, at Catalonia. Okay, okay. At, no, ah, first yeah, yeah. Fa- Catalonia. Yes, 91. No, 19, 1991. The first. So, how many races has that uh, been? How many one races second, have we seen in, in Barcelona? One second. Uh, 2001, 2011, Goodness, 2000, this is where you need Hannah Schmidt. <laughs> uh, three. Okay, 30, 33. Oh, come on. 30, 32 My so goodness. far. 32 so far. This is the 33rd race at Barcelona. So, the oh, signs are very on, much there. And there's also a Carlos signs as well. <laughs> is he really there? My goodness. But, you know, really, is he really there? Because, you know, Carlos Sainz, ever since he's come to Ferrari, (laughs) has been Ferrari'd, if we may put it that way. You know, we all were like, we all were like, oh my God, Carlos Sainz, such a great talent, McLaren. And he is a great talent. But just imagine even a driver like him with all the, you know, motorsport genes, etc. he comes with, is just, you, you sort of can feel the pressure that the drivers go through at Ferrari when you see people like Charles and Carlos who can emote so much, I would say. I mean, he's coming to his home race and suddenly he's like, oh my God, that one driver I took an autograph of when I was eight years old is still that one driver to follow when I'm 28 years old. Is he ever going to go? Never, never. Oh, wait, what do you mean the same driver? Fernando Alonso has gone and this is a new Fernando Alonso. They, they, I mean, there was one Fernando Alonso who retired in 2018. This is a completely different one. So let's not forget that point as well. But I, I so agree to that point. And I'm just so intrigued to see if Ferrari have the capabilities of competing with Mercedes. And uh, not, not Mercedes, actually. But okay, the green Mercedes. No, wait, that used to be 2019. Holy hell. Wow, time has flown. But if they have the capability of competing with Aston Martin this time, because everyone, Kunal, is bringing upgrades. That's the big chatter, right? Finally, first... Pro- no, wait. Guys, uh, let's just take a quick debate. What's the first proper European race? Is it Imola? Is it Spain? Because traditionally, it's been Spain, Sundaram. But again, it, it Imola doesn't feel like the first first traditional European race. So this still feels like the one race where they will be bringing in all the upgrades. But there have been a couple of races before when they've done that. I mean, yeah, for the for the longest time, I mean, because this year, I think it was Monaco. Since we did not have the Imola race, this time it was Monaco for a very long oh, time. Oh, shit, Yes. 
<laughs> Monaco got to be the Monaco first European be. race without actually paying to be the first European race. You know, usually when there's a first for something, Formula One's like, yeah, put an extra zero at the end and let's go. But upgrades will be the talk of the town after the Spanish drivers and the circuit configuration changes. And, you know, teams that didn't bring upgrades in Monaco will bring upgrades in Spain. Teams that brought upgrades in Monaco will actually validate those upgrades again in Spain. Not really again for the first time in Spain. You know, and every team and every driver has done thousands and thousands of kilometers here. So they don't have an excuse to make a mistake. Uh, in fact, if anything, they, ha- they for the first time, they'll literally be able to dial in more efficiency in, in their in their setups because they have so much history, so much data, etc. But also for the first time, the new cars, new tires, etc., new changes will be driven in Spain this weekend. So lots to look forward to, lots of upgrade validations, etc. will happen. Uh, some people will go away, you know, smiling. Some people will have excuses. I think I know Samil is going to point out who might just have an excuse and what that excuse might be if the team is Mercedes. But Upgrades will definitely be a talk of the town. Oh, big time, big time. Mercedes, that is going to be so much fun to watch. Because let's be honest, we all know that these new upgrades aren't going to work. They just can't be that good. They can't catch up to Red Bull Racing. They might be, for instance, Aston Martin, right? That's as high as things can go. So I I wonder, it doesn't work out this weekend, which I don't know. I, I just feel... It might not really be there. The Monaco weren't that great. And yes, circuit with many particular characteristics. But nevertheless, Hamilton was complaining of that car not being very, very confident. That happens. What's the Mercedes? Up? I am just thinking about what excuse they're going to give us. This time, I'm just so intrigued. Is it going to bear with us? These new upgrades, we need to learn. We need to understand. We need to comprehend. The upgrades need to talk to us. We need to feed them some food and then they'll get comfortable with us. What sort of rubbish is going to come out from their camp this time? Because they always find a really fun excuse. And by the way, it's always the most dramatic excuse, the most perfect for PR, the best for TV, always. I'm pretty sure they've already begun writing their letter, their next edition for letter to our fans. Because, I mean, quite obviously, it's 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 like you mentioned, it's, it's right that um, the upgrades are not going to work straight away. I mean, they have gone back to a more conventional side pod uh, concept, but sure, they're, they're bringing in new floor, uh, they're bringing new suspension parts, and trying and testing them out and, and correlating them with the simulations uh, is going to take a little bit of time. So I'm really hoping that these upgrades are positive from Mercedes' side. And somewhere around the mid-season part of, uh, of, the, of the calendar, they are a little bit more competitive and can at least challenge Aston Martin. You know, the excuse that they could come up with in Spain and get away with saying, you know, we didn't have Fernando in our car. Look at that El Matador. He is driving like a, an animal and we need somebody to ring that thing out of a car. But yeah, seriously, I think Mercedes's <laughs> upgrades are a step in a direction they don't want to take or or rather a step in the direction they should have taken last year but didn't take, etc. But the most exciting thing about upgrades for me are two things, actually. Alpine's updates have actually done so well that they are getting into that top four, you know, fight somewhere or the other. Ocon got a podium. Alpine, really great result. Can the momentum take them further? And interestingly, Red Bull are bringing upgrades, right? And I would love to see them come up with a zero-pod concept and make it work and be like, hey, guess what? We made it work. We can give you wings and we can take away your side pods. 
that'll be just rubbing it in their face big time but hey now that you've pulled up the topic of red bull racing that's once your mind back to a year ago this was the exact race when sergio perez saw his campaign sort of put down into the dirt after this of course he won monaco and baku but the way things went was that at this particular race red bull racing let max verstappen go past because they felt it was important for the championship and that is even when he had a flappy drs that wasn't working perfectly bad memories when he comes back in but also crucial point kunal because at this very time of the year when we come to spain it's a similar story sergio perez is on the back foot and yes he's had a couple of good performances so far but the story still remains the same perform now or get to the back no wait that didn't sound very good did it and <laughs> and we no longer have street circuits our way or almost i mean canada is a semi street circuit but after what five street circuits we're now coming to a regular circuit so to say and you know depending on how you read the data or irrespective of how you read the data it seems like the spanish gp the circuit de bat circuit de catalonia barcelona and that's probably the two municipalities saying we want both our names there but anyway yeah circuit de catalonia barcelona is a, you know it's like custom built for the red bull to go on rails and you know prove how aerodynamically efficient their car is because aero efficiency is what everybody is going to talk about optimization etc that's that's going to be the focus and you spoke of perez 39 points down but just alonso being 12 points away in in the drivers championship and i don't know all these numbers keep playing up i have a feeling checo will be there in the fight but you know at circuits like these i think maybe max is always able to pull out something more and uh, you know but but talking of the circuit why don't we just switch you know spanish gp usually ends up being a snooze fest monaco wasn't there was rain there could be rain this sunday yep. as well very high chances as we record this on a wednesday yeah a wednesday evening and uh, if we have a snooze fest and there have been snooze fests out here as well right if we have a snooze fest what are we going to blame are we going to blame the tires because pirelli is bringing the hardest compounds are we going to blame the cars again because it's the easiest the widest heaviest cars etc are we going to ch- are we going to blame the circuit configuration you know that the change in the last chicane that's changed into a double uh, high speed right hander i mean that's also an excuse somewhere somebody's going to end up fighting as to why we had a snooze fest Oh correct correct and it is going to happen eventually and isn't it funny how we always find a way to loop back to talk about hey why is this not a good race for Miami it was the lack of an interruption for Baku it was the lack of overtaking apparently that was the problem so at this point in time what i am so genuinely intrigued about is to answer the question just what makes a good race because if you ask different people they have different answers so let's actually do that here on the podcast For me what makes a good race is again good racing it doesn't have to be an overtake just the fact that you can compete and it it may not be for everyone's liking that the race is spread out over a long period of time because for instance if we look at a strategic masterclass like Miami that wasn't quite full of everyone's taste because we saw the strategy bit up strategy bit apply to the entirety of the hour and a half this one i feel is also going to be something similar i like it we do need some action here and there but the common thread for what classifies as a good race sundaram these days seems to be more and more interruptions and a mixed up grid because that is essentially what allows surprises to happen and that's what allows let's say fun battles like magnussen versus leclerc to take place as well so in your head what really counts as a good race 
Oh, that's a very good question because I think everyone has a different definition when it comes to what comprises of a good race. For me, honestly, it is, like you mentioned, seeing some very interesting battles. It may not have enough overtakes, but seeing some very good battles between the race leaders. I think that's very, very important that in a successful race, you also see the leaders battling it out, the front yeah. runners battling it out. And I also love strategic masterclasses. And, and talking about Spain in specific, we've seen that happen a couple of times, which uh, I've personally enjoyed the ones between Hamilton and Verstappen when they go for a two-stopper. That could possibly happen and this time out as well you would probably see teams going for mediums and hards and how they kind of time their pit stops is also going to be very interesting to see because tire deg around this track is is extremely high and now that we don't have those slow chicanes at the, in the final in the final sector it's going to make it even more interesting i just hope teams aren't overly conservative of their tires this week and i hope it's a two stopper and we have quite a few interesting uh, strategies in play that's a very interesting question what makes a good race and you know i normally dig into data of our podcast so i know there are lots of adults say 18 to 24 34 years so lots of older people listening in so i can explain i can explain it in a slightly more adult way for me a good race is like four play you know you want battles etc cetera, etc cetera, coming in and and no, not what comes at the end of four play <laughs> one second <laughs> for all the kids listening kunal for all the kids listening in, you've just basically confused them. Now they're going to go to Google to and search for things. He's got nothing to do. No, I thought he meant... <laughs> Come on. I thought there was some wordplay there. I thought there was some wordplay there, but then I realized there was absolutely you know, no wordplay at all. Foreplay has got nothing to do with Formula One. Okay. It's, but either way, that's, that's what, you know, and strategic masterclass. Actually, we will see a variety of strategies this weekend. And the variety of strategies is what will dictate overtakes this weekend because strategy-induced overtakes is what we could see on Sunday. Different drivers, different strategies. So that could be the saving grace for everybody who thinks, oh, we need to just have overtakes everywhere all the time. Uh, and the, 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 go the unknown factor going into this weekend is <clears throat> how the circuit change actually impacts the tire wear because the slowest two corners have been taken away. And now it's the two faster corners. So the need for, you know, slow speed traction corners has gone away uh, with, with that chicane going away. So let's see how that impacts tire wear, that impacts setup choices for people as well. And, you know, typically I'm actually interested to see what comes up on the Saturday because we saw the closest qualifying session between, you know, P1 and P2. P19 in Monaco, which is 1.138 of a second. Could Spain actually bring them even closer, given that it's 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 a real circuit with runoff areas, more abilities to push, get onto the limit, etc., etc. And and that's something I would love to see. And uh, again, in qualifying, you know, we've traditionally seen that you run out of tires at the end of a lap, given the heat, given just the circuit characteristics. So you will see drivers actually go quicker in sector one and two and suddenly slowing down or not having grip to last in sector three. Whereas some of the better drivers actually take it slower in sector one and then start firing it up in two and three. So qualifying definitely is going to entertain us this weekend. And the gaps, the gaps in qualifying, as you rightly mentioned, especially as Sundara mentioned early on, it could well be that this track just suits Red Bull Racing perfectly and they could run away with it. But even behind then, remember, because we are seeing so many interesting gaps at the top that we're forgetting about those at the bottom. And Oscar Piastri last time out in Monaco just barely, barely missed out on Q3 by point, 
one of a second, some some silly margin like that. So I find it very interesting about all that's happening over here. And just the point that we're able to see these close battles all the way through the field makes me wonder, why are we complaining? Because Formula 1 right now is turning out to be so much fun. We just need a little bit more on track on the Sundays. And hopefully, Catalonia provides that. But yeah, I think if we are running short on entertainment in terms of on-track racing, Ferrari can surely provide that. Well, I hope so. They've already, Frederick Vasuer has already provided what I would say one of his most controversial statements into joining as Ferrari's team principal. And it's only been a few months. It's come much earlier than I expected. In Monaco, he actually said, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to quote him so that people don't think it's an opinion. He said, if the Ferrari was so difficult to drive, I can't imagine that we would be a tenth of Max Verstappen in qualifying. Basically, he was saying the drivers are just complaining a little too much. Of course, he went on to explain why, etc., etc. But he, quote-unquote, said that. And could this be one of those early signs of he's also feeling the pressure, Ferrari need to deliver, etc., etc. And yeah, that's just classic Ferrari, I would say. Amazing, amazing. I, I just love how Ferrari are always finding a way. Last weekend, it was the whole strategic gamble. And hey, we've gone so far into the episode without talking about Charles Leclerc as well. And the disappointment of last week. Just how is he going to perform this time out? But now that we're at this point, let's actually ask about the other things that we're so intrigued about. For me, one more thing that I'm going to be very excited to see is is how McLaren perform eventually as well. Because they have been making a lot of noise about the new upgrades. But I mean, even in Monaco, Landon Norris was somewhere around the bottom of the field. And we couldn't properly see what McLaren was all about. But according to... According to their team principal, Andrea Stella, Monaco is the worst sort of circuit for McLaren anyway. And the fact that they were this good over there shows great signs of progress. But for me, that entity battle between uh, and Norris as well turns out to be something very interesting to follow. But for you, Sundaram, what is one thing that you're really excited to see so far this weekend? Anything else that comes up to your mind? I am really excited about free practice too. Now, it's not for... Any other what? reason about? If we do, yeah, it's it's not for the reasons like you'd probably hear it being a very representative uh, session in terms of track temperatures and all those sort of things. I am particularly interested to see who is the leader of FP2 because since 2017, the free practice two leader has always taken pole position, and we know how how important pole is at this circuit. 72 percent of all pole sitters have gone on to win the race, and 29 of 32 races have been won from the front row. So if if I, I'm only looking forward towards FP2, and I would probably bet a few, uh, a few hundred dollars into who's going to win the race based on FP2 itself. <laughs> and for Friday free practice, the teams Carlos signs. <laughs> <laughs> and for Friday free practice, the drivers are every driver is going to get two extra compounds to actually test because Pirelli is trying to introduce a new tire at the Silverstone Grand Prix at British Grand Prix. Uh, so they are going to do some testing. I mean, that's just, you know, Barcelona is one of the favorite tracks to go testing cars and tires and everything on. And uh, it's it's going to be exciting to see how people, how, how everybody's going to sort of build efficiency and fine tune their cars. Uh, it's It's like, this is the closest the cars will be actually able to get to their performance levels based on what the teams know historically and based on the circuit characteristics. And I'm pretty excited to see that. I was saying, I was saying, I think even Mick Schumacher and Daniel Ricciardo get a go um, in, in the post-race test um, this weekend, right? Correct, correct. 
and amazing to watch to finally see Daniel Ricardo in a race car once again. I mean, is it just Ricardo, just the car that was actually creating so much of problems? That's again for after the race. For the race itself, I so desperate another test because again, these teams and drivers, whenever they roll up to Barcelona, they just treat it like a test all the time. Be it a GP, be it a test, they make it so efficient, and that's a problem. We need a little bit more inefficiency. I think that's what makes for a really good race. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, I think it's time we go for our predictions and really see what's on our mind. And I'm going to start off by going for a very left field one for our bold performer for this weekend. Not the win. I think it's out of the question. We all know it's going to be Max Verstappen. Deep down, even if we want our hearts to say Fernando Alonso, I don't think at this stage anyone can admit to it, right? Right? Or can you? I see a wry smile from you, Kunal. It's 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 probably going to be a wet race as well. And if it's a wet race, you can never count out Fernando Alonso. I'm predicting that I'm going to get the Spanish national anthem after. Hey, a what happened long. last week? That, exactly, what he's made his week? mistake. We counted him. He, he counted he's, himself. He's out. made his mistake in Monaco. The team has made their <laughs> mistake in Monaco. Their strategy mistake. They had to make one mistake. They made the mistake. I get a feeling Fernando Alonso. I would go for Fernando Alonso, not just it, because it's great for our, you know episode title and it'll get thousands of listeners in from Spain or whatever but I just get a feeling he's onto something the Aston Martin is just getting better and better and quicker and quicker and and it has to happen at some race this season and somehow going into Spain I think Fernando Alonso is closer to winning than Checo Perez I know, this this year I also turned thirty three. This year I turned thirty three. So I'm manifesting that thirty third win for for Fernando Alonso. It's it's definitely going to happen this year. <laughs> hey, don't manifest thirty three way too much, man. Don't manifest it way too much. We've seen so many and, wins. And, and from can that I tell car. you? And and can uh-huh. I tell you? I tell you that I turned thirty three on the very same day Alonso's. I mean, I, I share birthdays with Fernando Woo! Alonso. You do. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Have you manifested the number 33 way too much, dude? Because Max has been winning so much these days. We just need some degree of change. Something. Some, or, or someone to win on merit. Because every time Sergio has also won, it's also been due to some sort of problems. Let, let me Max remind you, well. Max's Let's hope original this driver number is 33. So, either way, there's a driver 33 or something Correct. to do with 33 who's winning. Oh, wait. Wait, did we assume that people forgot that already? Well, number one is for merchandising reasons, as he said. Well, at some point, it might. <laughs> at some point, I think it's also going to happen, right? When you're world champion for five consecutive years and the only number all the new fans see is one. Yeah, that's going to happen. Let's hope we don't consider, we don't get to see more and more of those dominant boring wins. Let's hope we get to see some sort of fight and Fernando wins at the end. That's all that we're looking forward for. But ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please, please feel free to share this episode with all your friends and family members and anyone who would love Formula One as well. Make sure you leave a good rating. And if you're in Mumbai this Sunday, join us for our Spanish GP watch along at the other social with a special guest also joining us over there. There's going to be a quiz, a pre-race discussion, a postal and so much more, including a simulator as well for you at the weekend. So, You can register now by clicking on the link in the description of this episode. But thank you so much for listening, everyone. And we shall see you rather soon. Bye-bye.